This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Pabst Blue Ribbon. Always smooth, always refreshing. Gold medal winner at the 2016 Great American Beer Festival. When you're this good, quality always comes through. PB Army ASAP. The following is a Podcast One Minnesota production. Hello and welcome into another episode of Matt and Judd's Hockey Adventure. Well, Judd, a short adventure in the playoffs for the Minnesota Wild. There's a, a lot of things I want to get to here with RIP to the Minnesota Wild season. But I think the most important place to start with this is just taking a quick look back at what went wrong in this series and what's at the top of your list for what went wrong for the Minnesota Wild. Because I know that a big part of the conversation with you guys on Mackie and Judd show Uh and uh, elsewhere in the hockey world is the bad luck factor. And there was plenty of bad luck factor and hot goalie factor here, but that doesn't mean that the Wild did everything perfectly or they would have won. So what is at the top of your list for what went wrong? Yeah, and when you go down in, in five games, you know, that's, one game that you won the entire time. It's not like you won three games. Uh, I would say this. I'm going to pick out two two things in particular. Uh, game one, you got 52 shots. Uh, Allen made 51 saves. Allen gave up, as you saw as well, rebounds galore in that game. If you get to the net in that game, I think you could have easily scored three goals. The game's different then. You win. Series changed. Uh, game five, Allen, again, in the second period, very good, but gave up three goals. Winnable game. Your start to that game was awful. The Wild came out, and and I understand St. Louis played well, but on your home ice in an elimination game for 10 minutes of that game, you came out and looked awful. Uh, Goal number two of that game, which was crucial, was a play where Charlie Coyle attempts to weakly clear the zone, throws a pass up the left-wing boards. It's picked off by the Blues, pass to uh, Steen. The puck is in your net. Bang, you're down two zip early in that game. Uh, last thing, overtime goal game five, a cluster bleep. Dubnik, who can't play the puck, attempts to play the puck, plays it right to a Blues player. Uh, said player picks up the puck, goes right by Hansel, is able to go towards the slot. Uh, Parisi and Coyle break down, and they, they don't pick up the guy in the slot. Blue score, series done. So I would say if you were to ask me what went wrong specifically, there were opportunities that you had. They're small, but there were opportunities that you had uh, to either be in the series or alter the results of two crucial games, and you failed to do so. A uh, coach that I know 
once said to me about hockey in the playoffs, oftentimes it's about whose big-time player makes a play. And with the Minnesota Wild, their big-time players did not make a play in most games in the series. Now, Zach Parisi did in one game to tie game one, but then the big-time player on the other team, uh, Vladimir Tarasenko, came up with a phenomenal play to set up the game-winning goal. Mm -hmm. And then Sabatka who is a tremendous player. I, it's such a huge boost for them to get a player like Sabatka uh, back from the KHL for the playoffs. Yep. And he makes a big-time play in front of the net. On Hansel. On Hansel. And on the other side with the Wild, there were times where Charlie Coyle had a few moments where he made a big-time play. Ryan Suter came up with a big goal in the third period, but probably wasn't enough from him during this series either. Uh, although that that is not a job that I say is Ryan Suter's. I mean, he's not that type of player. He's not Eric Carlson where you say, all right, Carlson's going to take the puck and go make a play. He's more of a solid all-around player, and uh, he came, comes up with the, the big play and the pl uh, power play in, in the third period. First period, actually. Um, oh, first period. Late right, first period. Right. Two to one period. at that point. Okay, but anyway, mm -hmm. uh, Mikel Granlund, Eric Stahl, Jason Pominville. I mean, there are a lot of players. Nino Niederreiter was non-existent in this series for the most part. When it came to creating a lot of scoring chances in front of the net where Niederreiter has the size to do that, or just making that one big-time play that superstars make to win series. And I don't think you can go through any of the Stanley Cup winners uh, over the last 10 years and say, oh, yeah, well, they just outshot the other team. No, they had Marion Gabrick step up, and, ha and that's a big-time player. The Kings step up and have a great series. Or Drew Doughty, or Patrick Kane, or Sidney Crosby. And the Wild did not have that, and that's what they needed here. They needed, in my mind, the guy I look at most is Granlund. I say that's the top scorer on the team. That's the highest-skilled player who is in his prime. He's not just hanging on to whatever's left like Parisi and Stahl. Yep. He is dead in the center of his prime. And you go into a playoff series with the hope that he will step up for you. And he was non-existent for the most part. Maybe in the last game there were a few plays that he made. But that's what you needed in this series. And it was not there. So even though your coach from the very top set up a game plan that was better than the Blues, in my opinion, it was better than the Blues. They had the puck more often. They had more scoring chances. They forced the Blues goalie to stop 96% of the shots, which usually is not going to happen. Yep. But... If your supposed stars don't make actual star plays in a series, you lose. Granlin had two assists. I believe if you look at the shot totals, Granlin was probably, I don't know, six to seven players deep as far as shot as far as shots on goal. And to me, Granlin had the type of year where you go into the playoffs saying, We are going to rely on you for X amount of of production. You're no longer a young player. It's if you are good, it's not a great story. It's the expectation. And there's just a lot of things. Listen, I get the starting point. The starting point is the Blues goaltender was fantastic. And for three games, he was out of this world. I get all that, okay? But you can't go back and watch these games and tell me there's not, there's not some things that bother you. Game one bothers me. Because if you get to the net in game one, Jake Allen, for as well as he played in making 51 saves in, in game one, collar. If you get to the rebounds he gave up, guess what you're going to do? You're going to accidentally knock two in, right? Um, but, yes, this core group of once young players 
who who had good years and matured, the lack of production that they gave you in these five games is concerning. And what really concerns me about Granlund is this. For essentially uh, four games, I didn't see him. In game five, he worked his ass off. But that's game five, elimination game. Where was that? So there's some there are some telltale things that definitely concern you, especially when, when you're getting to the point with guys like Granlund where you are in a position to potentially pay them. And with the salary cap being what, what it is, they're going to get big paydays. So if they're going to get paid, my question is this. Can we rely on you not only during the season but in the playoffs? And my other semi-frustration is Coyle, who was very good, I thought. Mm-hmm. But are you, we going to see that more now? I mean, was this series a turning point for Coyle? Because we've seen this Coyle at times before. So was this series... Uh, a maturation and a aha it's now here and it's clicking and i'm not saying that every game in december of next year you're going to see that but what i am saying is we want a huge stretch a huge stretch of this charlie coil being absent so have we now turned a corner where where this is going to at least more consistently be charlie coil or are we going to get to um january of next year and we're going to see charlie coil and say what happened to that guy who we saw in april the way I would That's look, my concern. Yeah, the way I would look at that is uh, I'll just channel some Denny Green and say those players are who we thought they were. Yeah. They are who we have always thought they were, but Bruce Boudreaux is a phenomenal coach and got more out of them this year than anybody had before, playing a more up-tempo system, putting guys in positions to succeed. Granlin's at the top of that list for putting guys in positions to succeed where he was carrying the puck through the neutral zone, starting in the defensive zone and, and getting some speed going and making plays on the rush. He's really good at that. But the Blues are also really good at taking that away. Yes. And they did a great job. And that's where your point comes in that was it the goalie? Yes, it was the goalie. But there were some other things that the Blues did that prevented a higher number of scoring chances in the way that the Wild had scored all year. The way they scored all year was off the rush, the counterpunch that we talked about on earlier episodes when people were criticizing their shot attempt numbers and shot numbers. We said, look, this is how they score. They protect the net, and then they get going at the uh, on the rush, and they create two-on-ones, mm-hmm. and that's how they score. Mm-hmm. Well, the Blues said you guys aren't going to do that, and they let the Wild out shoot them. Now, look, you don't want to get outshot by as much as they were, sure. and they got outplayed. They couldn't get through the neutral zone themselves, the Blues. However... Where Granlund is so good is going from his wing to Zucker, usually when he's playing with him, for cross-ice passes that are just indefensible for goalies and tap-ins a lot of times in front of the net. Great, great A scoring chances. How many times did you see a cross-ice pass get through to the other side? I didn't. I don't remember a single one. They essentially didn't. They basically did not, and that's where St. Louis packs it in. And they put those gigantic guys in front, Pareko and Edmondson and Petrangelo and Bomeister. Yeah, they're they just, all six five. Right. And they stuff them all in the middle six, of the four. ice. Yep. And they don't let you get those high scoring chances through the middle of the ice. Mm-hmm. And that's where I feel like Granlin and the rest of the wild didn't make a very good adjustment to that. When they were clearly doing that from the start, that was obviously their strategy. And there was no adjustment to, all right, how are we going to score now if that's what they got frustrated? Doing? Yeah. But instead of saying, okay, we're frustrated, but it was if they said, oh, well, if we can't do that. And it, that's where I don't know. I don't know where to land on Boudreaux on that one because it's the identity of the team. 
But here's the problem. So if you watched this series and you said to yourself, I can't put my finger on it, but it looks familiar. I've seen this before. This series was largely what Mike Yo in the Wild did to the Avalanche in 2014 first round. McKinnon, Lannon Skog, all those guys had what? Great speed. McKinnon loved nothing more than for that Colorado team to get the puck and go, right? Same thing. And Yo said, we're going to bottle you up. And he did. This was the same exact philosophy. And the Avs did, did the same thing that the Wild did. They got frustrated. It works really well. But I, I certainly don't land on the fact that Boudreaux did a bad job. But I think it's going to be very – I think I would love to hear internally what the conversation is going to be with this team now to say, okay, we've got a really good team for the season, but come playoff time, we've got some problems. Because the, because of the salary cap and the veteran contracts, collar, they're so limited in what they can do. It's not like you can say, well, you, you know what we'll do? We'll trade Koivu for this, or you can't do that. So how do you get now uh, to next springtime – and not have this happen again? I don't know the answer to that question because when I look at this year and just where they were in terms of some of the underlying numbers, I'll give you a good good stat. They were the best team in the West in how much they outscored their opponents by at 5-on-5. Five five. And the number, about 56%, they were scoring 56% of the total goals over a regular season, is very similar to the last three Stanley Cup uh, teams that have appeared in the cup from the Western Conference. The Sharks, and then you had the Kings and the Blackhawks. Mm-hmm. During the regular season, that's around where they were. Not a lot of teams get into that area. Now, Washington's a special team. They're up at 60%. Plenty of years, that would be right up at the top of the league. So I say, this guy did such a good job during the regular season mm-hmm. that he got his team in a position where the regular season numbers say, you should be a legit Stanley Cup contender. Now, compare that to where this very similar group had been for years. Did you ever think they were a legitimate Stanley Cup contender going into the playoffs? Always a long shot, right? Under Mike Hill. Standing certainly backed that up, yes. Yes, and so did their advanced numbers for the most part. They always said, this is a long shot. Good luck to you. Maybe you win a round or two. You're not going to win the Stanley Cup. Sure. And this year it said, you can win the Stanley Cup Mm -hmm. because your coach has pushed you up to that level. Mm Mm-hmm. And you go into a playoff series and your expected goals based on where the shots came from, the scoring chances, would say you should have outplayed the Blues still. Even though they had some strategies that worked, you should have outplayed them. You just didn't. I say, well, the coach did a good enough job here to put them in a position to actually win. It didn't come out their way. If he's able to do that again next year then I'll take that. I will take that same goals for percentage, the same expected goals, because I think you'll win if you do it year after year. Sure. However, you still have the same problem you've always had, and then everybody else is getting a year older by next January. How, where Where is everybody going to be? Will they be healthy? There's all those questions that remain. How do you, though, um, get get a player or players who can get to the net, though? That's my big... I mean, if you watch playoff games, you rarely see clean goals now. I mean, you see them once in a while, but the days of my shot from the point just beat your goaltender is seems to me rare now. How do you get where... where in game? If you had had somebody in game one who has established himself in front of the Blues net, I'm telling you, I'm convinced you score at least two more goals that game. So, and, and the uh, Caps-Leafs, the game, game six there... You saw what? 
that the OT goal was scored off a rebound. So that's my big thing is the Wild didn't have anybody really who could consistently. Coyle sort of did. But anybody who could consistently clean those pucks up and score. And it's a little bit of just a nightmare matchup when it comes to that because of their defense. Now, we thought, oh, Nashville's the team you don't want to play. I would still say that after after they kicked the hell out of the Blackhawks. I would still say I wouldn't want to face Nashville uh, over the Blues because they've got more skill. But uh, maybe in that way, just the Wild don't have that player. They don't have the net front goal scorer. But I get you know, but they have goal scorers though. I mean, they've got a well, bunch yeah, of guys exactly. who shoot over ten percent, who have good shots and can beat goaltenders and things like that. I don't know. I mean, I, I've heard that maybe they need to go get this guy or that guy because he's a net front goal scorer. Yep. I I guess so. I just think that more of those shots usually end up in the back of the net than they did from the same location, same type of shots. Like they packed it in and they play playoff hockey, but. I don't think it was anybody in particular's fault. I, I don't want to say, oh, why wasn't this guy or that guy in front of the net? Because when you look at their shots, well, they did get quite a few shots in front of the net. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know that they got to the re- rebounds effectively enough. Uh, let me ask you this. Parisi had a good series, so I'm not picking on him. But is Zach Parisi in his prime exactly what they miss? I mean, there was a time... Zach Parisi, good back and all, took a beating in front and was hard to move. There, He's now gotten to a stage where I think he still tries hard, very hard at times, uh, but his ability to sustain is probably not what it once was. Do you think what they what they really missed is the guy that they signed and, and the fact is Parisi's ability to hang in front of the net that was there back in his prime is just gone now? Yeah, I think that that's part of it, sure. Uh, winning puck battles, too, finishing, playmaking. He was the real deal, top 10 NHL player in his prime. His prime only lasts about three or four years. But when you go through it, the year that they reached the Stanley Cup final in New Jersey with he and Ilya Kovalchuk on fire, Kovalchuk was insane in that playoffs. He but he was playing an all-around game, too. He had always been criticized for not playing an all-around game and being kind of lazy. Well, that was maybe because his teams were bad in Atlanta. He was unbelievable then. But Parisi was just as good that season. He was one of the top ten players in the league. If you had that player, it's almost like the the kind of sad irony is that I think if you had Bruce Boudreaux as your head coach with Zach Parisi in his prime, you can reach a Stanley Cup final. But you finally get a better coach. I still think Boudreaux is a better coach than Mike Yell. I know who won, but I think he's a better coach. Mm-hmm. So you finally get this like top-notch elite coach who has been doing it for a long time as one of the best winning percentage you're ever going to find. Still a good winning percentage in the playoffs, though it's not as good, but it's the playoffs. It's hard. Um, but Parisi is no longer that guy. He's no longer that guy who can make too many superstar plays over and over and dominate a game and win for you. And that's where that's I just that is always my point that I have to keep coming back to is even if you won this series, it's going to be really hard to get through the, all of the playoffs to the Stanley Cup final without one guy who takes a series over the Predators. You know? Right. Yeah. I mean, you're not going to get past them. Right. Yes. Because they have that top line yes. with uh, Ryan Johansson and Philip Forsberg. You're, in my opinion, in my opinion, you need at least one of the three things to make a big run. You need a goaltender who can essentially 
uh, do what Allen did for the Blues, which is win you a series. Dubnik's not that guy. You need Eric Carlson on defense, right? I'm not talking about a nice defenseman. I'm talking a superstar. They don't have that. Or three, you need a forward who is can be absolutely dominant. Don't have that. So they're a very, they're a nice team, but I don't look at any one element and say that player right there is going to get you for, get you through. Let's say the first round almost by himself. So I come back to this question then uh, because I think that puts our wrap on why they lost. Here's the question. Now what do you do? And there, I don't know that I have great answers for this because there will be plenty of trade opportunities come off season. There aren't guys that I think you should spend a ton of money on in free agency. Yep. There are good free agents you could add. Eric Stahl was a good free agent that they were able to bring in, had a great year. I wouldn't expect that again next year, but you got a ton of value out of that uh, deal. But when it comes to trades, when it comes to signings, you've also got the Las Vegas expansion draft that will affect certain things. And you have some prospects who are coming up that will be nice players. I have a really tough time, Judd, thinking that the next Ryan Getzlaff or Patrick Kane is on their way in the system. I, you've heard all about the system's great. The system's great. Just like you heard when Charlie Coyle and Mikel Graham. That's the danger. Right. And they're good. I do like these kids, but yes. Exactly. I'm with you. They're NHL players. They're good, but they're not your megastar player. Uh, so do you what? Do you try to trade for a top-notch player? Well, that's pretty hard because people don't give them away. Do you try to swap for more playoff-style players? I just watched Montreal do that and then get knocked out in the first round. I'm having a lot of trouble figuring out where you're supposed to go that gets you through this wall that you just can't break through even when you have a better coach and a better, uh, better regular season team. You have so many veteran players already signed. Most of them were given, good or bad, no trade or no move clauses. I honestly think, and this is a sad thing, but I think the reality is that you have a nice team, but if you're Chuck Fletcher, your bet is essentially made. Because, I mean, we could sit here all day and hypothesize about wouldn't it be great if they did this or that color, but the reality is look at their roster, look at their contract situations, and then Look at the fact that, unlike basketball, the cap doesn't move here. I mean, the, the last report that I found on Sunday was there's a very good chance that the cap is going to go up maybe by a couple mil or remain flat. It's not moving. Uh, so I don't think there's any magic bullet here. I really don't. I mean, you have committed to a goaltender who, I mean, think about this. The most um, This is, the to me, this is the most amazing, wild factoid of the entire season. Devin Dubnik is not a finalist for the Vesna. Mm -hmm. On January 1st, if I had come to you and I said, hey, guess what, Matthew? Devin Dubnik's going to start to struggle. You'd be like, okay, sure. And then I said, he's going to struggle so much that the guy who we talked about as being a Hart Trophy candidate in December is not going to be a finalist, not one of three finalists for the Vesna. You would say, you are on drugs. <laughs> he single-handedly guided them through the first half of the year. That to me, so you have committed to your goaltender, Suter, who I, I think had a very nice year, is your defenseman, and you're paying a lot of guys up front, and Koivu, if I'm not mistaken, has a year left on his deal. Therefore, I don't think that there's any magic answer here. I really don't. So if you're Chuck Fletcher then, 
what what's your plan? Do you just hope that the team continues to remain competitive, which means you get to probably continue to have a job if you keep making the playoffs as a GM? It's hard to fire you, right? Like the reason that guys get fired when they make the yes. playoffs years after year, and Leopold loves him, right, is usually really. just because they have an elite player and they don't finally get over that hump. Like in Pittsburgh, when they couldn't win with Sidney Crosby after X number of years, it's like, all right, this guy's still the best player in the league. We got to do something desperate to get us back there. Sure. And it worked for them sure. with Mike Sullivan and Jim Rutherford. Um, with the Wild, though, your expectation without one of those guys, without a Crosby or Connor McDavid, is that you will end up at least in the playoffs and have a chance, and that's how you keep your job. I feel like we could be also talking about the Vikings for this too, by the way. Oh, it's very like similar. If you if you're Rick yes. Spielman and you keep making the playoffs, then you can always say, Hey, we made the playoffs. We gave ourselves a chance. Yep. But you're probably not ever gonna get there unless you do something desperate and maybe insane or maybe not, but you take a big swing, big risk, and find a way to get over the hump. I don't know what I have what in mind exactly. But I mean there's okay. not you're stuck, so largely. What, what comes to my head immediately is trying to trade Granlund or trying to trade Niederreiter or some of the, although I wouldn't want to, Niederreiter. I like him a lot, but he wasn't there in this series really either. Sure. But Granlund is the guy that's coming off of a career year. And I've, again, a Viking parallel said this about Sam Bradford. When a guy has a career year, what do you usually expect when they're 25? Do you expect, oh, well, he'll just keep ascending and he'll score 80 points next year? Or would you expect Granlin to sink back toward 55 points right. or 60 points? Right. So when's the right time to trade a guy? But here's your problem. If you trade him, it's not like you can take on a guy with a huge cap hit. True. Because you can't absorb him. That's my point is where, where are you going to go? So if you trade Granlin, okay, that's fantastic. But you're going to have to take on a similar salary there. Is that going to get you the, back this great player? I don't think so. Could Might you could you try to do this, though? Okay. Remember when Vancouver traded Corey Schneider to New Jersey for the ninth overall draft pick? Could you try to trade some key players who are still fairly young to get up into the top ten in the first round? Now, I know they don't have a first-round pick to move because of Martin Hansel. Yep. But trying to get other teams younger players or trying to create a new core or take more swings. I guess this is the way I'm looking at it. Take more swings at finding an elite player. They don't all have to be the number one overall pick. They usually are, but Getzlaff wasn't. Parisi wasn't. Same draft, by the way. Sometimes uh, David Pasternak, who is one of the better scorers in the league, though playing with Brad Marchand and Patrice Bergeron, but sure. still not Dumb ever. penalty, by the way. Very dumb that penalty. Dumb OT penalty. Anyway, I digress. Sorry. They should have won that series. I still think that Boston's the better team. Uh, but anyway, so if you were doing this with 100% job security for a decade, yep. you wouldn't bring back the same group and say, this is fine, this works. What you would do is cash it all in for a bunch of future lottery tickets with a high percentage chance to get. I think that's what you do. But I don't think they can do it. It's kind of like we've talked about with the Vikings, where wouldn't you, if you had complete job security, try to convince Tony Romo to come out of uh, retirement? Wouldn't you try to draft the top quarterback? I wouldn't have, no. But, but I mean, if you had 100% job security, you wouldn't stick with a 9-7 and seven year for Sam I Bradford. 
Pabst Blue Ribbon is always smooth, always refreshing, and the perfect choice at the game or out with friends. And now, add gold to the great PBR tradition, because Pabst Blue Ribbon was awarded the gold medal for American-style lager at the 2016 Great American Beer Festival. That makes four gold medals for PBR in the last 11 years. Not bad. It's that gold medal taste that has made Pabst Blue Ribbon the Twin Cities' favorite. When you're this good, quality always comes through. Go for the gold. PBR me ASAP. Don't think, when it comes to the Wild, I don't think the owner has the patience to go along with the plan that you're proposing. Right, and the fans don't need Because there's too much of a roll of the dice there. I mean, if there was one dominant player and you put together this stupid package and got the top overall pick, maybe, but that player I don't think exists. Uh, and Leopold's patience, I mean, that's what's weird about this. He signed, they signed Parisi and Suter to these mega contracts in 2012, very much, I think, with the thought process of, well, within three or four years, guess what? We'll have been to the cup finals and or have a cup. And now we're five years in, and the clock is ticking, and those contracts have eight years left. And realistically, Parisi has, what, maybe three years left or something? Mm-hmm. Um, this is where the conundrum exists, and I don't think Fletcher is in jeopardy of being fired, but I also don't think that there's a magic bullet here. Uh, in fact, I think part, I think Boudreaux, his uh, philosophy with the media during the playoffs, to me, got to be very intriguing in this sense. He ordinarily, if he's not pleased about something, can't help himself, right? I thought it was very interesting that around game three or four, he decided – publicly at least, to focus on the fact that statistically they were dominant and after um, Game 5 said they weren't the better team, but they won the series. Here's my here's my guess here. Boudreaux knows this team is coming back. He knows it's not going to be dismantled. There yep. might be a change or two, and that's it. He also knows that this team is, I'll be nice here, a little bit fragile. So if he had torched them for statistically dominating dominating the Blues, he knew that he was in jeopardy of completely losing them. So instead, he said, no, we're playing well, and you guys don't get it. Right or wrong, I think that was done to basically pat them on the back, but also it was an acknowledgement to the fact that I know this is my team, and it's not only my team in this playoff run. Like it or not for him, it's going to be his playoff t- or it's going to be his team come training camp. Well, you know what? That, I think that's 100% correct, what you just said. I think this team is coming back completely. You'll have Erickson Eck on the team, and that might be the only difference. Right? I mean, they might have to trade a defenseman. They'll lose we'll, somebody we'll talk to about Vegas. That. Yeah, but I, yes, but there's not going to be – is not going to be – Not mass changes. Big changes. I agree. The thing with me about the, the big change idea is if you only had one goal – if your only goal as an organization forever and always was the Stanley Cup and that's it, nothing else will do, it's Stanley Cup or bust. I think right now you take the valuable players on this team and try to cash them in for top prospects around the league and take another run at it because you've built it, you took, a, you got all those prospects, Coyle is in the Brent Burns deal, right? Yes. And you've got Granlin's a second-round pick. and yep. Okay, so we've tried this, it didn't work. You've got a new crop of very nice prospects coming. You would try to cash those in for other prospects around the league with with you know whatever you could sell off to get those prospects. You'd go all the way to the bottom next year if you can because Parisi's not going to drag you up. So you'll get a top five pick, and then you'll have a bunch of prospects, 
and then you'll have a chance to win the cup five years from then. So you would tank it out? That's I think that if you if you want to talk about which route is closer to winning the Stanley Cup, which route is closer to winning the Stanley Cup? The one where they play this out or my route that I just described, yes. you know that my route is right. It's just that the GM would could would never do, do it. it. They can't he would do never it. do and it. The owner because, and the owner would right. The if the if Chuck Fletcher came to Leopold with that proposal, he would fire Chuck Fletcher. Absolutely, that is not what he wants to see because it wouldn't fill the seats. People would be well, really mad. Yeah, and, they would be an embarrassment for a while. And keep probably. in mind too, this is the only league where the underlying factor for everyone who owns a team is home playoff games. Right. Everywhere else, I've got so much TV cash coming in. I I would like to have home playoff games, but if I don't, I'm fine. Right. The Wolves. The Wolves haven't played a home playoff game in 13 years. But this is the one league where every home playoff game that you get is a huge payday, mm-hmm. and everyone that you miss is a big deal because your TV contract only gives you so much. So think about it this way. At one point, the Toronto Maple Leafs put together a very good team, had a great regular season, made the playoffs with Phil Kessel, Dion Phaneuf, James Van Riemsdyk, Nazem Kadri, young Nazem Kadri. Who was still a cheap player then. They, yes, he was. And they had, uh, what, James Reimer was their goalie. Yep. So he's pretty decent. And uh, maybe Bernier was, but I think it was Reimer in that playoff series. They lose to Boston there. Yep. And they give away that, what was it, game seven or game six at the end where they gave up the couple of goals and Lucic should have been called for a penalty. Great stuff. Uh, But with that Toronto team, they had been built for a chance to win with those decent semi-stars. Phil Kessel is playing on the third line on a Stanley Cup team, not being the sole star. Yep. So they've got a bunch of semi-stars just like the Wild. And they looked at that as, okay, that was our shot. It didn't happen. And now we had to tear it all down. And it was not fun for them. They had to sell off Dion Phaneuf. They had to sell off Phil Kessel. And yet, here they are right back after they draft a generational player in Austin Matthews. They put together first-round picks. Mitch Marner, great player. William Nylander, great player. Morgan Riley is coming along. And those are four or five years in the making to now next year. They're going to go into the season as a Stanley Cup favorite, I think, in the East. They're Cubs like right right now. Exactly. They've been built. They've basically taken the Cubs blueprint. What? Smart executives. Mike Babcock is Madden. They took that and said, that's perfect. Exactly. It's the same thing. Now, I would do that if I were the Wild, and I would have to let Bruce Boudreaux go. Because you can't have Bruce Boudreaux raising up the you level are, of you your bad players. hitting the detonate button at the X. I know, but th- that's the thing. is It's not going to happen. So I don't know another way around all of this. There is no, no, my, there is no easy no, I'm route. Say, that's I'm the saying point. this. You are right now pretty much stuck. Right. You are stuck in the land of hope. You're not bad enough to benefit from it, and you're not good enough to win a cup. I mean, this team right now is stuck in... they. I told you, if there's a blueprint to get to the cup or win a cup, there's probably at least three, if not four, components necessary for that. They don't have them. They don't have them. I'm sorry. Devin Dubnik, I can pretty much tell you now, is never going to win you a playoff series. It's, he won't cost you the playoff series, but there's but the way that Allen played for the Blues, can you, when you close your eyes at night, can you have a dream where you envision Devin Dubnik standing on his head for, let's say, three games? I can't. Sorry, don't see it. So there's nothing. They they are stuck. They are in 
They are in the worst-case scenario, but they're just good enough to what? Continue selling out all games, yep. and they're just good enough to make the playoffs, and so they will continue this pattern until they decide to potentially go down the route that you're talking about and or guys just get so damn old that the team falls apart. Well, that's more what, likely. That's where I see it. I, mean, going. I hate to be a jerk about this, but that's the reality. It is. Well, it's just the truth in all sports. I mean, uh, the Chicago Cubs are a great example where they had their shot with the Moises Alou and the Bartman and all that. Yeah. They had their shot. It didn't come through. And then they tried to patch it together for years. They tried signing Alfonso Soriano and players like that. And they were competitive from time to time, but they were never really a World Series contender until they finally had to tear it all down and rebuild it completely from scratch. Hanging around in the middle usually does not work. And I saw this in Buffalo, too. Buffalo had their one shot, Briere and Drury and Ryan Miller. It fell apart. They tried to patch it together. Jason Pominville was there. They tried signing guys. Christian Aroff they gave a huge deal to. And they were somewhat competitive, but never really competitive. They used to call it like the magical run to eighth place or whatever. Maybe they called it that here with the Wild too. That's just where you're stuck. And this year, the, the difference with this year was you had this little blip on the radar where it was possible because you were one of the better teams in the West overall in the regular season. And now I could be proven wrong. I've been saying all along, I don't think McDavid can quite make it because I don't think his team's good enough yet. Well, (laughs) he's on to the second round, so maybe he is. Maybe he's just that good. But I was looking at it as McDavid's not quite there yet. Winnipeg's out of the playoffs. They might come up and be scary soon. Yeah. Chicago now is out, but Chicago was already on life support for their run. This was your one shot. And that's why when they lost the other day, it was – that it was a huge gut punch. It wasn't like when Toronto lost the other night. It was like, well, that's okay. That's Washington. No, it oh was, my gosh, this, this it was uplifting. Look, yeah, right. Because you're like, this, this team's going to be incredible. Right. Look at this. This is great. Oilers will be the same way. Exact opposite for the Wild. The way I looked at it was, well, that was your one try because next year you are going to have to somehow beat Connor McDavid. And you know what? Too, I wouldn't entirely count out the Blackhawks for the rest of their existence with Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves because I think they are going to take big swings to try and overhaul that roster too, which they may bounce right back. Nashville's not going anywhere either. Right. Their top line of Arvidsson and Forsberg and, the, and, and the Jets are coming back up. Right. That, those guys, along with P.K. Subban, yep. I mean, no, I'm with you. those guys are all in their 20s. I'm in, with you. In their prime. How are you going to do it next year? That is where it was so devastating to lose this series. And then you add that it's the former coach, too. There's a, there, there is a fighting chance that, uh, that some of the, the national predictions going into next year will have the Wild on the bottom half of trying to make the playoffs. Because that's where this team was to a certain degree at the start of this year, and nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to change that much. And when you look at the fact that the Jets are, are going to improve, uh, as you said, Oilers are going to be outstanding. Blackhawks will Blackhawks will not take this well. I mean, the Blackhawks aren't going to – nobody in Chicago is, is having the conversation that we are right now, which is, man, you know, you're stuck. No, no, no. Blackhawks will do things. Um, so there is, a, there is a chance that the Wild will be on the border of a playoff team next year. But once again, my point is this. I don't see them getting around that. I don't see a coherent plan that avoids that. And God forbid, here's where it could go really bad. You know, Eric Stahl had had two 
okay years to not great, signed this year and came way back up, played really well. No guarantee that sticks. Zach Parisi, I'm sorry, but when you've got a bad back, you've got a bad back. Mm-hmm. One of these years, it's just going to really start to break down bad. Well, and to So there's point, a lot of things that could really start to go wrong. They were one of the healthier teams in the league this year. Yeah. Would you really predict that again for a team that's got so many guys in their 30s? No. And if they have an injury or two and things start to fall apart, Boudreaux gets over frustrated, overly frustrated. We saw him at the end of the season start really messing around with lines and overplaying Dubnik and everything else. It was like, uh, okay, well, this this isn't getting them out of that slump, and he's not always the best at that. Which so, they can't do again. Right. You're right. It's unless there is some player yep. who I don't know about <laughs> that is so fantastic that's coming through the system that's going to be the next superstar about to Kunin, save them. The kid from uh, Wisconsin. He's had success. Eh. Uh, Greenway, the kid from where BC or BU. These are nice players. They're nice prospects. Yeah, no, no, no. But I don't I know. see any of. But them. I'm saying, but I'm saying, your only your only hope would be if your veterans start to break down, is if these kids. Oh, if these kids were come put up, into yes. the system yes. onto your team, and worked out right, and maybe Erickson Eck, and maybe you can remain a good team. I like Erickson Eck a lot. I don't like him as a player who can carry your team. I think he might be at very best a second line center, and what you have is now three or four second line centers. Here's your problem too. Do you okay? So let let's say the the veteran players start to break down. I don't see Bruce as being a guy who is really excited about youth. Do you? Yeah, no. Like if you told Bruce, okay, Bruce, Parisi's out for six weeks, and Koivu got hurt, and so he's out. And Pominville, well, he just he's Jason. So here's Greenway and Erickson Eck and Cunin, and man, it's going to be great. I think Bruce would say, you know, I think I might start looking for a job somewhere else. <laughs> I mean, I think Bruce, Bruce loves guys, and you know, this is fine. Getzloff, guys like that who are really good players, but they're also veteran players. Yep who know their roles, who can lead things. So this is going to be, to me, that this entire situation unfolding is going to be very intriguing. And there are some cases where I've got some hopes, but if we're talking about a playoff run, it's a stretch for me. Yep. A real playoff Making run. the playoffs, I think, is If you want them to be good and make the possible, playoffs, yes. yeah, I think, we can, I think I'm fine with that. I don't go in, though, saying, you know what? They were really close to beating the Blues, and therefore I see conference finals next season. I just don't see it. So who do you see in the conference finals? Just for the last question to ask you for the podcast. Oh, let's see. Uh, hold on a second here. Let me uh, let me let me look at who is left here. Because well, I'll give you mine. Yeah, go ahead. In the Western Conference, I see Nashville facing off with Anaheim, which I think would be a very good matchup. I think uh, Connor McDavid will push them. Okay. The Ducks pretty hard, but I see them there. Okay. I also see the New York Rangers advancing past the very mediocre uh, Ottawa Senators. And I believe that the Washington Capitals will make a conference final in seven games by beating the Pittsburgh Penguins. Because, really? Because Why? Chris Letang's not playing. Okay. And I think eventually that comes to bite Pittsburgh. Sergei Bobrovsky did what he does in the playoffs and did not play well and they beat uh, the Blue Jackets pretty handily. That's not going to happen in this series without a guy to really control the puck from the back end. I think that will cause some problems. 
Uh, in the Western Conference, I would love to see the, the Oilers advance. I think it'd be great. I think it'd be good for the sport. I think they're a year away. Uh, I like the Ducks. They're big. They're strong. Uh, I'm with you. Ducks and Preds in the Western Conference. In the Eastern Conference, Lundquist has been fantastic. So I go Rangers there, but I'm going to go Pittsburgh. Okay. Pittsburgh's just got an it factor to it still, and Crosby's so good. I was going to say that it is named Sidney Crosby. Yeah, but I mean, they've also, goals. and because of that, they've got such confidence. The only question there is uh, if Flurry continues to play gold, does he start to collapse a little bit? I think the last couple of years. He's when, been better. When he's played, he's been okay. Well, except last year when he got pinched for Matt Murray. That's so. true. That's true. Well, he got hurt going into the playoffs. But I thought he was play- I thought there was a playoff where, where before this where he actually was. was competent. Because uh, he was, was a disaster previously. Against the Rangers, I think, in, okay. in round but one. But there was a playoff season? series yeah. where he was not terrible. Yep. So I'm going to go uh, Penguins, Rangers, Ducks, Predators, and uh, Ducks, Preds will be great fun. They will kick the bleep out of each other. Yes, they will. That will be yes, will. big time hockey. Big boy hockey right there. I like that series. That's what I got for you. Okay. I, get, I, 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 hate, to be, I hate to be so down about the wild, but I just don't see any way that they can get around being them, which is going to be, I'm not saying that they're destined to be bad, but like all of these pie in the sky, they should do this, that. I don't know. Any of it's possible. Yeah. I Well, I don't either. And, you know, the where I come out to is feeling the same way as you. Like, I don't want to say this. I don't want to say that I feel like they just missed their chance and now I don't ever see them getting there. And I also, it drives me nuts when you hear the narratives of, oh, they can't win in the playoffs and Boudreaux can't win in the playoffs. Because I don't think that's true. This I was think, not on him. I think he has I'm always raised the level of his teams to yeah. be legitimate contenders and that's why the expectation is always a cup on him sure. when maybe his teams were flawed. I think his Anaheim teams were mostly flawed outside of one year where they get to game 7 of the Western Conference final. But they had goaltending issues. They never had a Drew Doughty defenseman. They, the Washington had one line that they relied on the entire time Boudreaux was there with Backstrom and Ovechkin. Now Washington's a much better team. Washington has a goalie now. They didn't when Boudreaux was there. And yet, top of the league, top of the league, top of the league. I think he's almost a victim of being a really good coach and putting high expectations on his teams. Uh, with all that said, so I want to see him win and blow up this narrative that he can't do it. It's just so hard to see. Yes, you have some younger players coming up, and they might eventually replace some of the older players in some way or the other. But that's a lot to expect. But it's right, and we've, and and we've been through this fail, for, right? But yeah. I mean, when when they beat the Avs in uh, 2014, we went through the same thing. Oh my gosh, Granlund and Niederreiter and Coyle and all these guys are coming up and Brodeen and they're going to be fantastic. And well, here we sit three years after the fact, and guess right. what? Some of those guys are very nice players, and Granlund had a great season, but you had had to have a, have a you know magnifying glass to find him for four playoff games. Who gets to a um, the second to last series because it's got different names in both leagues? First, Twins or Wild? Oh, so conference final or whatever they call it in baseball. Uh, if the Wild pennant, no, yeah, pen- American League Championship Series. Okay, ALCS. But yeah. yeah, if if you win that, it's a pennant. Uh, if both these teams remain on the exact same course that they're on uh, philosophically from an executive level the twins do 
because the Twins are – that's what – here's the thing. The Twins season is going to be incredibly frustrating, and we're all going to sit there, and if we think about game to game, we're going to scratch our heads and say, what the hell are they doing? Nothing they're doing has to do with 2017. But that's a smart play now. That's a smart play. I mean, if you want the blueprint, you said it. Go look at Toronto. Go look at what the Maple Leafs did. I mean, you're not wrong. If you if you could go to Leopold and say, we got to fall on the sword. We got it. We're going to be bad. But then here's the problem. You get this. Come in. Craig, it's Ryan. I signed a 13-year contract with an expectation. <laughs> and then the next guy. Come in. It's Zach. I signed a 13-year contract, right. and we were going to be good. And so there's just – but, no, I say twins. You? Oh, no question, twins. Yeah. I mean, I, no, no it, doubt about it. Once again, depressing. The, the, exact, say, but... the exact thing that I laid out is exactly what the twins well, are doing. It doesn't work 100% of the time. The Pittsburgh Pirates did the same thing for a long time. They were bad. They never quite got there. They became a lot more competitive and a legitimate contender, though, in baseball by rebuilding through their prospect system and everything else. Yep. So it's not always the perfect plan. But I think when you go into a season for anybody, there's only X percentage that you have to win a championship. And as we go forward and try to project those percentage chances, for the wild, it will stay flat with this group. And for the twins, it will go up, 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 up. If things play out the way that I think that they will with building through young players and high draft picks. Your comparison is probably spot on. The Vikings and the Wild are very similar. Yep. It's a very because it's a similar philosophy, which is ownership comes to the GM and says, I want to be good. And so they get them good. But but the philosophy now, which is probably correct, is the owner should come to, to the GM and say, How do we get great? Yeah. I also How think, do we win a championship? I also think that uh, the Vikings last year of Adrian Peterson being very good. Teddy Bridgewater playing well, defense being elite, a chance to reach the Super Bowl was missed on the foot of Blair Walsh. I think they were a good enough team to actually get there. Interesting. Um, I don't remember how everyone played out that season, but would it have been possible that their defense could have slowed down Cam Newton in an NFC Championship game? I say yes, because he was slowed down by the Denver Broncos. Yeah, there's an there's a chance, of course. I think it. I think you kind of missed your chance to win a Super Bowl yep. that year because Blair Walsh shanked it left, and they thought, just like Wild fans will think when we get to October next year, well, this will be different because we signed whoever or this prospect is coming up. We signed Riley Reef, so the offensive line is fixed. Now we're going. Yep. Sam Bradford will be so much better. You talk yourself into these things, but when you come back to the reality is you probably missed your window on the foot of Blair Walsh, and, you, and Jake Allen probably just shut the door in your face if you're the Wild. And, and at least in football, contracts can be cut. I mean, Paris, imagine if, if, uh, if Reef was signed – in hockey to a contract right, he had to stay. and you could never cut him. I mean, that, right. that's the thing is Parisi and Suter, as good as they might be at times, Ryan, especially for eight more years, they are on your books on a salary cap, I believe of seven and a half million dollars every year. It doesn't change. Their salaries change, but the way it's allotted out, that salary cap never changes. If that was football, it'd be Armageddon. You'd be dead. I mean, that would be Peterson signed for five more years now. And you're like, well, he was really good. What happened? Well, he got old. 
Right. And now he's still signed. It's unfortunate. So they're in great shape. Everything's fine and Nothing pretty to see and here. rosy. It's just Nothing towering to see inferno. Here. Yep. Wow. Too bad. Too bad. So much disappointment here. I, you know, Judd, I hadn't covered playoffs at all or had playoffs in my city since 2011 when I was working in Buffalo. So I was pumped. Yeah. Selfishly, I'm not a huge fan of the team, but selfishly, there is nothing better, in my opinion. There's probably nothing that beats being at playoff hockey. I mean, between the, the third period and OT of Game 5, just the tension in that building was so much fun. Yep. And playoff hockey, every round, gets more and more dramatic. Just to be able to be at playoff games is fantastic. And for it to end pretty much consistently now, after one round, maybe two, sucks the air out of the situation. So, Wild fans, uh, get hyped for the offseason with that. Are we going to continue Sorry. to do these once in a while, then? Yeah, yeah, we you will. We, uh, we will. You know what, the... Judd? We'll probably end up coming around at least somewhat on moves they should make. I'm really interested to see if anyone with the Wild has a similar thought process to me that this group has proven they can't do it. Yep. And you don't have a big-time player could carry you. And now what? And I, I'm interested to see that. And uh, I doubt that there's going to be big changes, but you never know. Yeah, I just, I can't, I, my issue is I can't see Fletcher selling Leopold on that idea. Yep, no, you're right. And saying, let's let's stink, because you've got that consecutive game sellout streak going. And here's the thing, the Wild fan, for the most part, just loves the team. Right. And right. I don't know if they, if they, basically come out and say you know what we're going to get bad to get good i think that those fans might get upset with, with them and they love the fact that people just love them and wear their wild jerseys and don't forget they're unveiling a new home jersey next year which they'll sell thousands of and i also and the red ones are gone i don't think it's like the twins where you could survive bad years based on your awesome downtown stadium i mean at the end of well, the year, at the end revenue. of the, yeah, at the end of the well, of course, but at the end of last year, uh, the stadium wasn't that filled. But in the summertime, I don't think people care what their Best record bar in is. Minneapolis. I th right, I think people love to go. I know this for myself. I mean, I'm going to go to a bunch of Twins games. I don't care if they're bad. Yep. I want to be there. I want to see Miguel Cabrera hit a home run. I think hockey fans are different. I think they pay more. Well, I was going to say they, they pay. Care, yes, yep, I and I think they you. care more. That's a lot of that's a lot of coin there to to watch a team that's bad. Yep. So, all right. All right. That's that's the year. Sorry about all Bye. that. Wild fans. Uh, we'll catch you soon when the Wild make a move. Matt and Judd's Hockey Adventure. As prices keep creeping up, your entertainment budget doesn't have to take a hit. Live One Plus has all the music you love, ad-free for only $3.99 per month. Dive into Live One's massive library of songs, listen to curated playlists, or create your own. Check out exclusive artist-hosted stations and do it all for the best price in streaming. Lock in a Live One Plus membership for just $3.99 per month now, and you'll not only beat inflation, you'll get all your favorite music ad-free. Check out liveone.com slash best music for details. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar, or pie made with fresh cosmic crisp apples. There are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 Each Sale. 
Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone.